Hello and welcome to the ACH podcast. I'm Sheepdog and on today's episode I'm interviewing Connor. Say hello Connor. Hello, my name's Connor. I'm so, so bad at the intro but yeah. No, it's okay. I, I never know what I'm going to say until uh, until I start talking with these. Uh, the say hello bit, I feel like I've, I've taken from my old podcasts and I don't like doing it to people. It feels like I'm demanding say hello at once. Um how you doing though welcome in i'm i'm rather good thank you i hope you are too i was again this is another weird podcast thing i find we've already said how are you but we all for media things it's yeah i feel like it's um it's a good easy sort of roll in and i yeah i feel like i don't know it just i don't plan it i don't think (laughs) so you're obviously here to talk about your career today um it's from what we've discussed in the past what i've been sort of told you know you've you've had quite a varied career and, and obviously at the moment how would you describe your current job that you're doing uh it's always really hard to explain quickly i am a neurodiversity specifically uh autistic consultant accessibility consultant is, is what i'm kind of firming up on i've been, I, i've always just said autistic consultant but people don't actually know what that means so accessibility consultant kind of went that's cool better. And um, so I'm guessing that is, I mean, I, I, I'm expecting you to clarify, but my guess just off the off the punt of that is that that's more about answering questions that either businesses or people or places would have about autism. You're the person who would say, well, here's some information. Here's what I know. Here's some resources that maybe open people's eyes to things they haven't considered. Is there, there more to it than that? Or is it generally? Kind of, yeah. Just to work with products and services to make sure that they are going to work as much as possible for the diverse population that we have including autistic people because we are a huge chunk of the population excellent that does sound extremely i mean just as a parent of autistic boys and an autistic person i yeah i feel like that's something that is probably going to become a big demand if it isn't already like it should be um literally at the weekend i was somewhere where i emailed them going you realize you have neurodivergent children coming here and my son's left the building twice and i've had to chase him around a car park because even though I'm watching him, he's literally just ducked past me and legged it. And you should have had a door there or something, a gate, whatever it is. You've just opened this up. And, and it was interesting. The response was like, yeah, we hadn't ever considered that. And I wasn't confrontational about it. I was just very politely in the email saying, "Are you? have you considered this is a risk? This is a thing. And, and they were like, no, we haven't. And I was like, cool. Okay, well, please do. And I can imagine that kind of, uh, yeah, that kind of consultancy is just going to be saving a lot of people a lot of headaches over time. It sounds very valuable. Yeah, well, ba- basically, most legislation and most guidance out there is built assuming that the entire population is neurotypical, which is why people are so unaware of stuff. But um, And because we don't have the legislation yet, it's all about how can we be flexible in our approaches to ensure that we are accurately representing the population that's actually visiting or, or using our, our product or service. Cool, that makes a lot of sense. So, your um, your career. I'm guessing you didn't wake up and uh, you know leave school. I think right, I'm going to go be a, an autism consultant. What did you? Where did you start? School's probably a good place to start. I um I didn't know I was autistic when I well I I'd kind of started to like have the inkling when I was about fifteen. Um, but what I did know is that the summer holidays were approaching after year eleven, and that is normally when people get their first job. They go and do whatever. And I have always been funny about clothes. I never wear logos on clothes. I hate the idea of stitching and all that stuff. Um, So I knew, well, I'm not going to be working in McDonald's. And like that kind of, it got misconstrued at the time of like 
as snobbery or yeah looking know, down or something but I, know, I know what you mean you looked at what you'd have to wear and thought that's not for me which i, I completely empathize with it's yeah i can't I, I don't like wearing suits to work ties whatever it is no it really stresses well, me out and so yeah you had a lot of yeah well it's a barrier like and that's how we need to mm. frame it that is a barrier from me being able to do yep. something um never mind the social aspect of the fact you have people shouting at you in, in places like that um but either way i knew that that wasn't going to be how I was going to spend my time. Um, I, I'd been studying um, computer programming in school, so I was like, I know, I'll, I'll make apps and try to make apps. And I got, got you know, tried to, got some attention with, with one app that I'd made and then it got shut down and blah, 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 and silence. So, um, so that kind of didn't work, but that was overarching me going into sixth form. So I did a month of sixth form, uh, sorry, a, a, a term. So I did from September to December of sixth form. And I left to be able to work full time on 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 my app because they'd been showing some promise. Um, but in reality, I think what was underpinning that was I'd been I'd gone from this secondary school timetable of everything. Like I know what's happening. I know my timetable. yeah rigid routine. I actually knew all two hundred and twenty people's in the year's timetables, which is really weird if you think about it. And also, I don't understand why people didn't think I was autistic prior to that. Um, but, you know, uh, either way, suddenly I had free time. I, I wasn't being told how to spend my free time. Everyone's emotions were so much more complex because they're all on about relationships and parties. Yeah, it's a weird period, isn't it, to kind of step into. I remember everyone thinking I was really immature because I didn't buy into all of that. And it being, yeah, just it's a very complicated time to adjust to. See, I did like the partying. I did like the alcohol. I didn't like it didn't like it when a friend of mine bought a strobe light at the party and I couldn't cope with the strobe light which was one of the first things when we were looking back on we were like oh that makes sense that that was the thing because obviously that was a sensory uh again um so yeah but either way it resulted in me leaving sixth form uh and I had a year of nothingness so there was nothing going on in my life it was the year of darkness um so the entire time I was 17 and I wasn't really talking to any friends, I'd completely like reclused in myself in that time period. Um, so much so it got to a year later and my dad intervened and he was like, oh, well, a friend of mine at the council's got a job. Um, go go work there, you know. So I went for the interview and I, I did fine at the interview. It wasn't really like a formal interview, but either way, I'd walked into this building where there was thousands of people and all, all on open plan building and there was a big hole in the middle of the building so you could just hear six thousand keyboards and i was like oh, this is a lot but okay. sounds lovely yeah um, they, they were like yeah come on it's a it's um it's a three-month contract we just need you to organize our, our finance system we've got loads of paper stuff we want it digitalized so um naturally i did that in seven days as opposed to three months seven working days and they were like so council work is set up to be very slowly done isn't it it's one of those if you i remember working for the council at 18 and being told if you don't slow down you're gonna make us look bad stop well, it yeah and i'm guessing you got a very similar yeah because i had people around me yeah. saying you you, you know you want to slow down and i was like but wow. It's seven days work. Yeah. You know, I just do the work that's there. Like I don't, um, one thing, I think I've mentioned this on other shows, but a lot of, uh, people have taught me more, more recently that, uh, while we're contracted for eight hours work, the average neurotypical person does around three to four hours of productivity. Mm -hmm. And the rest of us are sat there thinking, Oh my God, I need to go on my work. I've only done seven or something like that. So, so I know people who stay overtime because I've not done a full eight hours in their eight hours. And I'm like, now I know the truth behind it. I'm like, no, no, go home. You're already doing double what everyone else is doing. And I've tried to get a lot better at 
pushing that back a little bit and you know boss if you're listening and i'm not i'm working super hard but uh you know it's one of those where it's true it is true and i when they first said it i looked around and i thought well no i know my experience at the council and other jobs and i know my experience at this job there's plenty of times where i'm cracking on and other people are having a cup of tea or a cigarette outside or whatever they're doing and it's outcomes that matter not not the time you spend on it but yeah so i've never actually heard the three to four hours so i'm gonna uh, steal that one and hope that you can follow it up with a reference yeah i'll look i'll make a um, note and uh, get you the reference but um but yeah the 40 hour week as a whole is so flawed for uh for the diverse population that we live in you know so originally actually it's based on quite a lot of misogyny because it's based around the man going to work and doing you know doing his hours and then coming home and whilst the woman cooks, you know, it's, it's rooted mm. in a lot of misogyny. There's also a lot of um, uh, racist undertones as well to, to the 40 hour working week. But in our context, in the neurodiversity space, there is so much underpinning it that discriminates us. Um, and, and, you know, I was a detriment because of that. So I'd done my seven days of work. They then, oh, they also did hot desking during this time. So even, even in my no. seven days, I'd been moved desks a few times for no legitimate reason. Um, and that included putting me next to this red wall and red is such an overwhelming color for me that to be sat in front of red all day, I'd, I'd gone insane. Like I, I, I had spent so much time in the loo's just trying to escape everything and like eating my lunch in the loo and stuff. That's so unhygienic. Mm. That's horrible. Um, so, and then they moved me to the other side of the floor where there was, um, yeah you hot desking situation i can't even remember what this new job was doing but either way i wasn't really gelling with it i think it was some customer support thing um oh that's the other thing that happened so they told me oh it's flexi time so it's 40 hours but you can work them how you want so i worked 10 hours one day nine hours the next day uh basically it got to friday and i I got to one o'clock i was like i've done my 40 hours bye and they were like no you can't do that i was like yeah you haven't explained the rules that's silly i've i've had uh again i've working in salesy jobs i've seen people be told their annual target is a hundred thousand let's say and they hit a hundred thousand and then they go right okay i'll uh, i'll see you next year then i guess and everyone's like wait no you have to carry on working and they're like no like my contract says i have to do a hundred grand profit there's your hundred grand i'll see you later and they've ended up in so much trouble and they're like, but you literally, and uh, yeah, it feels like, like you say, it's not, it's not set up for well, us to be taking it as it's written. And, and that's what and I mean. There's too much. I was yeah. at financial detriment because of that. Cause after nine working days, they were like, okay, Connor, I think it, you know, cause I hadn't actually like, they'd been delaying me signing the formal contract, which I thought was a bit suspicious. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah. And then they were like, okay, yeah, let's just, um, the, this you've clearly done, you've done the work. So, so bye basically. Um, and I was like, Okay, so I bear in mind that contract was three months, so I would have earned four or five grand in that time. And I mm. walked away with my 400 and something pounds or whatever it was. We're like, okay, even though I've done the job you wanted, great. Um, so I left that job and was like, okay, I'm in the same situation I was again. Um, although this time I was watching a TV show and it was World Autism Acceptance Week, formerly Awareness Week. Funnily enough, we were just mentioning about these weeks and months just yeah months and days this this definitely was weak i know that um and that's like i saw a segment on someone who was autistic talking about you know whatever and i was like oh that seems familiar because i would thought about it when i was 15 and then i'd revisited that going hang on maybe this is why i'm struggling in workplaces and why because they'd mentioned about sensory stuff and i'd never really thought about sensors properly prior to that um and yeah so I, 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 I took one of those online quotients, you know, the, the every, every 
Yep, AQ yeah, and all of that. Everyone knows it. Um, and I did it, and I I took it downstairs to my mum, and my mum was like, she was kind of shocked. She was like, what? And she was like, how did you score? Because I scored really high. I scored 40. I No, I scored like 43 out of 50, I think, on that one. And then my mum was like, because my mum was in such shock, she was like, let me do it on your behalf. And she did it on my behalf and got 46 out of 50. And, and then she was mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> yeah fair enough kind and, of thing. And, um, yeah my mum got that straight away so uh they from that point then i guess if, if you'd have got the you, did, did she help you then explore yeah. the diagnosis get get that sorted and you knew kind of what you were looking at you knew that you, you can't wear somewhere with the with the i guess a costume i mean the dressing i mean it's yeah. a costume but you know the uh the, the suit or the fabric and so forth you you don't want to work somewhere where they're being inflexible and weird about the timings and their rules um what did you wait or did you kind of just it all happened at the same time which was really weird so i had my gp appointment on the first week of april and the second week of april because it's a bear in mind world autism acceptance week could come at the end of march yeah and then yeah. so the, the timeline really was quite succinct went to the gp was told yeah we'll refer you for being autistic but you could also just be a control freak thanks for that <laughs> um yeah. but and then yeah so coincidentally then i'd had an interview as well during that week where i'd not declared that i was that i was going through the process because i didn't think it was relevant um and this was a an interview that had been recommended by uh, an old school teacher actually and um this was a local company in a small office where all you had to do was program medical device uh, so program phones and tablets for medical use uh, so like for people using a glucometer or whatever uh, and you do hundreds of them a day, and that was it. I was like, that actually sounds pretty exciting. Um, so interviewed for that one, and I like I kind of knew you had to play the game of the interview, and I didn't, you know, I certainly didn't lie in my interview, but I, I played, I did, I talked the talk, and I got taken off to be spoken to by one of the employees in the office, and and she asked me the question. She's a friend of mine. Uh, so it's all, it always makes me laugh when she said, so what, why do you actually want to work here? And I was like, well, because I, I need money. Isn't that why everyone else is here? And she was like, that's what got you the job, because you were actually honest about it, because nobody <laughs> about programming these devices. No, could you imagine like, oh, no, I love devices. No, you don't. It's uh, it's good. I, I get it. And the directness is it does help. I, I, I can think of examples of people who have said to me, yeah, your directness really came through in that in that conversation. And. Um, it's nice that they're friends with you now to be able to look back and go, that was a big deal and that was a good thing. Um, so were you there for long? Was it? A... Well, so I was there for seven months. So this was like it was very parallel to my whole diagnosis because I was going through the different stages during being in this job. And at first, everything was all good. Like the first two weeks, I remember being brilliant. But I was living life. Um, I was programming my devices, going home. I did struggle with the bus because I, I, I was still doing driving lessons at the time and the buses were always at weird times. Um, and then we had a change in manager and, and suddenly there were rules like you couldn't show up one minute before you started. You had to show up 15 minutes before. It's like not being paid for that. So why would Yeah, yeah, um, I hate that. Micromanagers. Also, I would feel really, because if I started working at eight and then had my lunch break, blah, 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 it got to four and I wanted to leave at four on the dot because that's, because um, there was a bus at 4.06. So it all worked out nicely. Mm. Yet there was this weird vibe in the room that you weren't just allowed to walk out the door at, at four so i would sit there i'd miss my bus and then i'd get into the rush hour buses and i wouldn't be able to get home for hours and then basically it it became a growing problem 
of the logistics of getting to work and I would try and get lifts every, every time I could and um yeah so that kept going so I, I kept being good at the job and I had like the highest success rate you know no mistakes and all that stuff because I was just doing it like a machine and um I kept struggling though with the with the things changing but not telling me why so I kind of stopped working on that go and work on this instead even though I just set up to go and work on that and without that reasoning it, I, I like this was happening so often that I was, I was just getting so flustered and I couldn't do it um so yeah it was it was quite that went on for a few months my understanding of myself was growing through this diagnosis process and I got my diagnosis in September of 2016 and like that for me at the time, it was like, oh, great. Now I definitely am autistic because for some reason, you know. I, yeah, I get it. Like we this is... we all um, definitely agree that self-diagnosis is valid. I know we've had that chat on, on panels before, but from from your own perspective, you do. Uh, it's definitely common. Everyone I know has felt like until they got told, they felt like they didn't give themselves the, the space. And we're all very self-critical. But while it's 100% valid, I completely remember getting the diagnosis and just thinking, oh, my God, like now I can look my family in the eye and say, fact rather than i think well, that's know. what i've realized though the diagnosis is for everyone else it's not for mm, yeah 100%. <laughs> and it's, it's a really yeah that, that's a completely different like weird because i i don't <laughs> use my diagnosis anymore because i don't need to mm. um no but yeah but either way uh yeah i i wasn't i wasn't being i wasn't being quiet about the fact i was going through this but i wasn't declaring it officially and then I got my diagnosis and the week I had my diagnosis, I had a full meltdown in the office, um, not because of me getting the diagnosis, because the manager had come in screaming about something. And like that to me was just too much to take in. And I yeah, I went to the loo and just cried for, for hours. Um, and I wouldn't stop. I, even when I got out of there, because someone was sent in to check on me, I kept, I kept going. And, and like I was, I was having a meltdown in in the workplace with a recent recently being told I'm autistic whilst not having the piece of paper yet because it's that weird time when you're waiting for the piece of paper and yeah so I was like look I'm autistic you know we need to make some changes and naturally their reaction was well you're autistic you need a routine so you're going to come in at nine o'clock every day because then you're here when whatever and then I was like ah you know yeah yeah don't tell me what the routine's going to be let me <laughs> tell you what I need to kind of Bear in mind, I'm self-employed now. Spoilers, but yeah, I'm mm. like routines and me don't get on too much pressure. Mm. Um, but mm. either way, the, I, I I said I was autistic. I got the letter because I got well excited when the letter got here because I got my mum to take a photo of it at home to send it me so I could run into the HR office and go, look, 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 I've got it. And they were like, yeah, no, no, we still need the actual letter to photocopy. I'm like, just, I'm saying like, photocopy's a picture. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we entered the conversation of of me, I put forward the solution. I was like, right, I'm good at my job. I would like to work less hours and you can pay me less money so I can be more efficient at my uh, at my job because I was fed up of being picked up every day from that job by my mum crying, going home, sleeping, waking up in the morning, going to the job, sleeping all weekend because it was that much. I was fed up of that. That's not a, that's not a healthy life um, or a happy life. Uh, it wasn't worth the however much it was a month um so yeah so I had to go away over the weekend and present the pros and cons of being part-time versus full-time and I had a very reflective weekend came in I feel I still feel quite um pleased with myself about this moment I was like and I I, I said there's a third column on there what if I didn't work here 
and all the pros <laughs> you know it's pro 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 so i was like yeah bye um nice um, so yeah and but I, I you know then i was in the situation of okay i'm not in work anymore i'm fortunate that my mum can kind of support me financially but yeah it, not forever and yeah that's you know yeah so yeah that was, that was... so was it at that point was when you then went on to do your own things or was there a bit more in the middle? I'm guessing you didn't go right now I'm autistic. I'm going to, I'm going to learn all about it and then teach others. I'm guessing there was like an in-between bit where you were trying to figure yeah. out what am I going to do? Who am I? Where am I? What am well, I? Well, I was 18 as well. No one listens to an 18 year old. 18 year olds mm. want to be listened to <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Naturally, I went to YouTube because um, that's, that's what everyone does at that age. But no, I, I, I saw that the National Autistic Society were, uh, running a film competition for you to just make a four minute film about anything about being autistic uh, uh, under four minutes so I wrote this poem and uh, it did all right it got like a thousand views within the first 10 days and I was like okay people clearly are somewhat interested in this so I kept making videos about uh, being autistic and why well, I didn't for the first month for some reason I thought actually no I'm my own person I'm going to make videos about <laughs> things I like before we yeah. visiting, you know the, the neurodiversity content and then I was like okay no people are here for this so I best keep making that and through doing that stuff I started doing more voluntary stuff through the National Autistic Society so uh, I was like look I'm a skilled individual I can I can make videos and stuff please use me I'm, I, I'm not working um, and yeah and and off the back of the video i didn't go far in the competition um because i filmed it out of focus because oh, <laughs> it's still on youtube to this day um is that intentional or do you mean it just didn't work well, out artist, sorry just was it, an artist? it was obviously an artistic choice because that was the conclusion <laughs> i was going through at the time no uh it was just out of focus because i didn't really just wanted to check because uh, i mean i was on a video recently where uh we found that 20 minutes of the content was out of focus. So we had to make that choice of, do we just roll with it? It was, it was good, but not good for, yeah, well, blurry work doesn't work. My thing was I'd film this poem in one take and it took me 29 <laughs> attempts to film it. Oh God. Like, yeah. I, I, but also I just didn't know how to focus my mum's camera because I just filmed it on my mum's like DLR that she had. DLR? DSLR. That DSLR. sounds right. D yeah. But, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> not Dr. Light Railway. The Excel now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I filmed on that. And through the things I've been doing through NAS, I, I, I'd got myself about a bit. Um, like for one, for instance, I went to um, I went to a branch of theirs to do some filming for a Volunteers Week video. And whilst I was at this branch, it was a meeting of the of the attendees of the people wanting to support autistic people, some autistic people themselves. And there was a speaker. There was uh, there was a person her name Sean Hutchings. She was speaking about her experiences. And um, and I was like, I, I'd sat there and watched it because I'd been filming bits. And I was like, hang on, I can probably do that. And uh, and so I spoke to uh, the person running the branch and was like, I, I think I can do that. I've not done it before, but can I please? And um, and she was like, yeah, sure. And at the same time, I'd seen that something called the Autism Show was coming up. And I, and I got in touch with the organisers of that and was like, please, please, can I speak? I've not spoken before, but I'm in Nottingham. So I'm in the middle of all three because they're in London, Birmingham, Manchester. So I was like, I can easily get to them all. So can I give it a go? I, I've been using social media, so I want to talk about how social media can assist autistic people to develop their um, communication and social interaction abilities. And uh, yeah, uh, that kind of started the snowball, I think, because I had my first paid professional talk and I'd also exposed myself to 
at the autism expose myself at the autism joke. Do, <laughs> do, um, do you know what my mind my mind was going right intervene there but you managed to grab yeah. it before me um, um yeah you, you'd done your you'd got you'd got yourself out there showing people what you could there. do um yeah, and um, you you kind of started to build that name of someone who can you know, who knows what yeah. we're talking about can deliver a talk. You know, you didn't you deliver a talk and it's just crickets and what did this guy just say? It's you know it actually worked. Yeah, it, I, I, I've spoken with you. You are good at it. You do know what you're saying. It's definitely a, a skill and a talent you have. And um, so you, uh, I'm jumping some of the usual questions because I feel like we have oh, covered yeah, them. But, uh, no, it's great. No, no, it's fine. It's perfect. They're only loose, and I'm just trying to weave it back in a little bit to say so like you got to that point where you'd had the the um you know the revelation almost that you're doing the shows you're you're good at them you can talk at them and you know what you're talking about and it's you know it's there and it's something you can obviously you can build your knowledge on as you go and you can change topics and there's always going to be something more to cover um did you do you think right okay this is I mean was it immediately clear to you it was a career you could then do or was it still kind of a I'll do this a, a bit but I'm going to be you know dotting to i'm gonna have to work i'm gonna have to make money here and there was what was the kind of ambition there at that point? so um i'd got some bookings off the autism show so i kind of had like the next kind of two months of my life planned out in like because i didn't i didn't want to overdo it because well a i didn't have enough work to overdo it but like i had these i had i think it was three bookings across two months and i was like that's all i can do that that's that's my next two months um which is fine start off slow you know i think i think in my first year i only made like 400 pounds or something um which yeah so i i i just focused on them and i just continued to make youtube videos at the same time and i was just seeing where it would go um you know i was being supported but the whole reason i wasn't pressured to go into work is because at the same time i'd started doing a degree with the open university so i was studying and that that's the way it was seen by everyone. It's like, oh, well, he's a part-time student, so he's allowed to do okay. whatever he wants, which adds... So don't have, like, student finance attached to it and things like that? To, no? Not maintenance, because it was at home. And although I think you can get maintenance now if you've got a disability. But, but yeah. mm, I've often um, said to, when I've spoken to some younger autistics or... I mean, anyone can go, but usually I say it to people who are teenagers or, uh, you know, in their 20s, um, I... I and and our, our mutual friend Kev did uh, did degrees in our mid twenties, and it was one of those things where I was kind of blown away how being given enough maintenance grant to spend three years just focusing right. on learning IT, how to program, and so forth, two days a week meant I had five days a week to do what I wanted, and I did podcasts with Kev, and I you know did all sorts of nonsense. And I look back at that three year period and think, oh my god, that was like a work balance. I know it's not a work balance. I was yeah. doing uni but i say to people that is a great balance and i know that academia can be very hard for people at school at college especially like us you know if you put because i was terrible at college i absolutely went off the rails at college but doing that three years of just it's two days a week you just your essays done you focus it comes in peaks and troughs but it's fine was so manageable for me so yeah i can imagine having that freedom of i did an open university course anyone was again like you said about the diagnosis being for other people that was like your shield against other people being like get to work connor um having that i'm doing my course but at the same time the flexibility that's that's the value of doing these as well as learning yeah, well, i feel like you get a piece of paper but the value is the freedom in all fairness in that first year i didn't learn anything because it was just like i i was like oh i used to do app development i'll do computing from the first module because i didn't know computing. yeah so and that first year is trying to get everyone else caught up to like so i was like i remember that I was like, yeah. i'm not really doing anything i got given this cool 
uh, circuit board to play with that plugged into my computer that I could program. That was fun. Mm. Um, but yeah, either way, and I but I really struggled with certain things in that as well, though. To be fair, like our first uh, lecture because the Open University is online, but there are in person uh, lectures, and the first one I had to go to Nottingham University. I'm from Nottingham, and it was my first time being in an academic thing that wasn't a school. So I'd walked in, I'd got to the floor. I'd, I'd, my mum was with me at this point. There was no chance of me going in there alone. But then I got to the door of where it was and the door was closed. And you know how at schools, there's always glass in the doors because of obviously child safety. Um, I also mm. realised that that was, for me, that was my way of going, I know what's happening in that room. Whereas I was just faced with this closed door. Like door. And, yeah. and, and I lost it on the spot there. Could not go in. Um, you know, my like my mum was having to deal with, deal with that meltdown. She had to get the teacher from outside, and I did get in eventually. Mm. Um, but I, and then I stopped going to them after after two because I was like, yeah, I'm I, I I very much relied on uh, the fact that well, Kev would pick me up um, to drive me to uni, and I'd always get a daily come come on text, and uh, the pressure of that. Not yeah, you know, I can't keep him waiting. I get in the car. That's probably one of the reasons I actually. Had to <laughs> rather than just going not today um i feel like it's definitely easy to hit hit the low points in that and um having that kind of support there is, is necessary but um actually i mean did you finish that in the end like not to hammer it too much but like did you carry on and do the full three years or did you well because it was open university and it's part-time you're allowed 16 years to do it um oh wow 16 okay cracky yeah I, I, i've still not finished it but <laughs> no, that's, that's right. because other things developed like i i was like mm. well i can't you know so as my career became busier and busier you know because because the merge was from when i went from speaking to consultancy because uh by doing speaking all the time i was exposing myself i was oh, i need to i need to be careful right i can't get this out of my head now um i was <laughs> no i get the it <laughs> of far more autistic people and by doing youtube online obviously that meant there were thousands of autistic voices and experiences i was hearing constantly um also any bit of nas work i was doing there was always some bit of training or whatever to do but yeah. I, I was building myself up i was building up my knowledge and i got asked to do my first consultation piece in i think it was late 2018 early 2019 somewhere around that but so was that like your profile had obviously reached a point where you're like you know connor from the nas almost you know they know you from from bits there and you've got your other bits and talks and so forth did a company just come to you and say hey we'd like to bring you in that was it was was within nas uh they because their training and consultancy department has people come to them and then they have their own consultants so i'd clearly been seen as okay you're not just representing your own knowledge anymore you are giving a wide range of views as well combined with your personal experience in what you're saying um because so i like i i didn't know this then i know this now a good consultant has a knowledge of how things have been how things are and, and where things are going and you have to think of all three of those things in any one moment combining everyone's experience and your own um and it was quite exhausting to be fair to shove all that in one go but yeah either way that that's what that's what a consultant is doing um but yeah, things just started to pick up a bit there, and uh, yeah, I've become. So was it like they they found you tasks at first? Did they they'd say like Connor, we've got this company or these people, and then eventually, I guess I know what happened. You went. Sorry, yeah. Um, no, go on. I, I'm just. It's weird having to think back through. Your life. No, it's um, fine. Yes, it. So, I've done some consultation, and then through YouTube, 
I had, you know, I was still doing YouTube. I was still, I need to avoid the word. I was about to say it again. Um, I obviously being on YouTube, you are visible to lots of people, uh, not exposed to a lot of people. And um, this, this meant that I had somebody who watched my videos approach me saying, Hey Connor, um, I've been making this app to help autistic people. I'm autistic myself. Oh, can you have a look at it, please? And I was like, or I had a look at it and I was like, okay, this is pretty bare bones, but I see faith in this. And like a few hours later, I own 20% of it. Um, so nice. Okay. <laughs> um, so I started working on, on that and um, yeah, we put quite some work in for a couple of months. So that took, that took me up to kind of like May when we released it. And at the time, I think it was the best received app to do with anything, you know, that autistic people had, had made for them. The, yeah, others, and it, it went down really good, and it was really good. Um, that didn't work out, uh, and, and you know, I, I'm not begrudged about this at all because things don't work out all the time. Um, mm, the technology sure. was good. Um, we weren't the right team to deliver it together, I think is the best way to say it. And yeah, and it, like, it really upsets me because it was a really useful piece of technology that I still wish I had access to. If you're listening, person who has access to it, please send it to me. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, like that kind of got me through, and that got me exposed to to people in a right. in a different way. Um, because suddenly I wasn't just being seen as Connor the YouTuber anymore. It was oh wait, Connor can actually do things like that deliver things yeah you've got proper sort of projects on the go that are delivering to uh, autistic people neurodivergent people um just all of that kind of yeah extra layer of professionalism that so legitimizes what you're doing I guess. yeah because it was to them designed a product you know so and, and that's what mm. consultation is about is consulting on products and services so very similar vein it, uh my degree i've done computing product design Equality, participation, and inclusion. Basically, I'd been building up an uh, accessible product design degree uh, before I abandoned it. But we'll get, again, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's um, fine. We'll get to that. But um, yeah, no, and then that that got me, that got many more eyes on me. Let's just say. So yeah, and then it's kind of been a bit constant since then. And if anything, the pandemic almost aided me because everything was virtual. Um, yeah, I mean, you could churn out more without having to go anywhere and burn out and, and have the rest days and months. And yeah, yeah it's um, it's it's an awkward one because I feel like that's a, a common theme along the podcast has been that everyone has kind of gone, yeah, the pandemic kind of helped. Yeah. And I see the, the not guilt, but it is a little bit guilty that you think obviously it wasn't a great period for anyone, but it definitely helped us build a, a bit of a routine, a bit of a platform, a bit of a straightened out thought because the world was chaos before that. The world was chaos. And I remember begging to be able to work from home and stuff like that. And now I've got all that. It does make a difference. And yeah, I feel like getting that moment to say, hang on a minute, this is what I need to do. Is It was it was useful. And there's no shame in sort of saying that or saying it was you know a positive thing in some ways. Um, so I feel like we've covered a lot of the um, the workplace bits and pieces. Do you find with, so normally I would say to people, do you find in your job, you, you have to deal with a lot of kind of barriers of discrimination, but being someone who's consulting about barriers of discrimination, do you find it's still, it's almost like a double-edged thing because you're going into people who know they don't have the answers and you have to give them the answers, but are there many kind of problems, barriers, discriminations that you have to deal with then when you're talking to them? Are they, are they quite open-minded or are they, 
a mess to I mean, yeah. obviously you don't have to name no, names because no. they're customers and that kind of thing but yeah it's it's not it, you would think oh i built my own career therefore i'm always going to have my needs met no it's, it's never that mm. um you know i'm quite lucky in the fact of normally i can use myself as an example to give you know to be able to say such things which means people do have kind of an awareness like most of the time my professional role is to shove my needs in people's faces so you know that does i can't lie that does aid me at times but also yeah, sometimes you work with companies and you're like how are you trying to you know make your product or service good for autistic people if this is the experience i'm having and um yeah it, the it's always weird barriers like the amount of the amount of autism events i used to go and speak at that would like change all their times and stuff like that and expect you to go for like meals and and it was just weird i just on the fly thought to myself you're kind of like a a canary that's going into coal mines to check that canaries can survive in them and it's like it's uh it's worrying really because yeah you've only got to go in one bad uh, coal mine and suddenly you're out of commission for a week and what? you know it's it's um it's hard isn't and, it yeah and that actually brings us back to the 40 hour working week thing i couldn't work 40 hours or sometimes i do i work 100 hours and that's because I pace myself at the way where it makes sense mm-hmm. to pace myself. If I go and do something in person that requires a lot of my brain, that's me gone all week, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that's Same. fine because it's measured on the outcome. I've achieved the outcome for that week. I've got, I've got the money associated with you buffer in the days, don't you? You say like, I mean, I know that when I go to a Comic Con, if I have a couple of days off after it, I'll be fine by Wednesday. But if I have to do stuff Monday and Tuesday, then I have to before that do less and prepare myself and you know balance things during that weekend. And it's like, yeah, I can't just roll through, roll out the other side, carry on. It has to be, there has to be take somewhere. It's like pulling a blanket up and down, trying to get your feet and your head in. You've got to do, you've got to decide how you want it to be. I I was literally entering the Comic Con stage though at twelve fifty one when our panel was at one last time because that's how much of a on a roll I'd, I'd been going between things bless you I, remember, I do remember you being very stretched you're very, you know I said to you earlier you're, I know you're a busy person I remember you being stretched with busyness then and, and just timings and so forth and I think again that comes up just off the back of uh, autism acceptance month which is busy for me and some of my friends and I know we, again, we discussed separately that you don't tend to do lots in April but it is a busy month to then roll into convention season and then roll into other bits and bobs for sure but uh, no so you, I guess you fed back to them and told them about you know you're creating barriers Oh, it's, this, it's constant it's, it's all the time we're, we're never get you know some some businesses do improve themselves so, and I, I keep saying businesses um i work across the three c's so commercial charity creative um so three different industries uh all of organizations i should say not businesses because some of them aren't necessarily mm. businesses but yeah it's um people it's amazing how many times you have to say so many obvious things to people and that's because from their eyes it's not obvious and that's fine like people can't know what they don't know um that's probably one of my favorite things about it all if i'm honest because i i get to walk around with knowledge that i'm constantly evolving and improving and getting you know lots of you know co-producing i would say um and yeah and i i get to take that knowledge to places and it's cool 
So do you, uh, it's a difficult one again to, to, cause I, I'm basically asking you to spill your secrets <laughs> on the next bits really, but do you have any kind of low hanging fruit people could do if their businesses, like I'm not suggesting you consult to them over the, the next few minutes on the, <laughs> on the podcast, but is there something that you feel like if everyone did this one thing, it would definitely, you'd walk in the door and everything would be much more uh, smooth and simple. Realize that you're not making adjustments. And that's that's normally a bombshell to people because people are like, what? But we're told we have to make reasonable adjustments. I'm like, if you're having to adjust something, your system in the first place has not been flexible enough to deal with how diverse the population actually is. And then as soon as people start thinking about that, they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're repairing or upgrading rather than, yeah, a, yeah you're not accommodating, you're fixing holes you didn't know were yeah. there or... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I remember we did a comic in uh, April about how, uh, you know, if you're fixing the lights for someone who's autistic and can't handle the lights, that's going to stop a lot of people having migraines. Or if you've got better uh, chairs, let's say, I don't, you know, pick it as an example for one, what, is, what was drawn, it can help people who have back issues as well as people who are hypermobile or whatever the issue is that they need the chair for. Um, yeah, it definitely is a broad thing. And uh, one of the, the guests, Natalie, of week mentioned that in her job, they don't offer accommodations. They just say, everybody get the keyboard you need, the monitor you need, the chair you need, there's a budget for all this stuff. Do something that makes you happy once a month, I think it was. And it's generally not about accommodating. It's about just making everyone fit what they well, need. This is the thing. We have so many conversations around what do autistic people need, as opposed to going, what do all humans need? Because in the context of the workplace, autistic need is still viewed as, as other. So for example, Mm. me wanting to reduce my work hours because I was getting too tired, apparently not because I was autistic, that was weird, but um, either way, I wanted to reduce it because I was autistic and I was struggling with the length of the day despite having the same outcome. Yet someone in the room next to me wanted to finish at two o'clock every day so they could go and get their pigs, uh, their pigs, kids, kids <laughs> picked up from school. Pig kids. So they could get their kids picked up from school. And that was allowed because, oh, of course they need to go and pick up their... They understand that. They're like, yeah, there's no way around yeah, that. that's or, a need. Um, but, but they're never viewed in the same light. And um, hmm. yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Um, and on, on that same sort of pivot then, I mean, again, this is a hard question considering... Well, I was going to say, you don't want to tell everyone how to get into the job and then there's millions of them, but I don't mean you like that. I mean, I'm sort of saying that in a joke. Is there any advice you'd give people to get in, who want to get into talking about uh, you know, their needs and autism and awareness and raising acceptance and, and that kind of thing? Is it, um, you know, it sounds like you kind of just had a crack at it, did what you're interested in, you know, make content that interests you and it's kind of grown from there. Um, is there any advice you can give on, on top of that? I think I'm going to frame this in a way of what I don't think I did enough of, which... I don't think I framed in the early days what I was saying as my own experience enough. Because this is, I obviously I know what work I do now. I know it is hard. Um, and I know that I've worked really hard to be in the position I'm in to be able to have, to be able to try and represent as many voices as I can. If I can't represent the voice, I make sure I, I, I as a consultant, bring in a consultant. Um, so if you're going to put yourself out there, share your own story don't think that you're trying to speak on behalf of the autistic community enough uh, like as in like don't feel that yours you've got to big yourself up to oh yeah all autistic people do this you don't your personal experience is often listened to and appreciated enough as it is so just share your story 
um, share what you've experienced and, and frame it all within your own perspective. And that will evolve. Cool. Have you um have you ever had to do any training around? I mean, I, I say that with a with a loaded question in my head. Um, any any kind of courses in in autism or neurodivergent awareness? Or, I, I basically saw an advert. Um, I went off on a bit of a tangent with this. I got I got I saw an advert saying, "Would you like a qualification in autism?" And I was kind of like, "That's weird." Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> don't need a qualification. I've got a diagnosis. Was my first thought. But then when I clicked it to see what it was, almost sarcastically, it was actually like a, an equivalent to a GCSE. And it's like a government body that does all these courses. And they had like a business startup one, a, you know, marketing, all these other different things. Which I started the business one, funnily enough. But I the autism one's there and it's like a sort of a grade GCSE level two qualification. And I'm thinking, dare I sit this autism course? And I just wondered if that would be useful to someone who wanted to learn more and talk about it. Do you, have you had to do anything like that? I've done things like that. I don't know if I'd advise people to though now, because <laughs> well, this is the yeah. thing, you know, one of the things I work on a lot, I do, I do a lot of work in, in health and social care um, where we are realizing that the thing that is leading to so many life inequalities for autistic people is the fact that all knowledge about autistic people in the past has been severely medicalized. Everything's been viewed in the medical context. And therefore, mm -hmm. whether it's directly medical or not, all of this information is framed medically in most resources that are out there. Um, I have seen that a lot for um, even things that you would consider to be positive. They're framed quite, I mean, I'm not going to get on a, on a soapbox about this, but things like our sense of justice. And it's like, hang on, no, we're just like following the rules <laughs> you put this in a weird slant because it's all set yeah. as like oh they're inflexible on the rules it's, it's like it's because we're, no. we're not viewed as humans we're viewed as other mm. and like that's forgotten um like my easiest way to explain this one and this is always controversial and rouse people up so i love it um i think the idea of the autism spectrum is the biggest load of rubbish ever like ah, oh, we've got to remember that every autistic person is different from each other well i think we're all different from each other because we're all different from each yeah obviously mm. um we have some common needs but we also have so much that diversifies us like any other human you know um we're both white men we don't have the same life do we we're not going to we don't have the same life the same needs no because we look at the fact that we've got diverse life experiences and and things that make us diverse in in our creation and yeah that's what just needs to be celebrated more the fact that of course we're all different because we're all different people yeah, there's a lot of uh, people who act like it's a monolith and we aren't, obviously. And yeah, it has been really cool learning about uh, through this, everyone's backgrounds and stories, but also just generally meeting more people and hearing about how it affects people. So I, I, this isn't necessarily meant as a plug, but we were doing the autism take comic takeover and people were doing their comic about being you know a black female mm -hmm. autistic person a trans autistic person a um, lesbian autistic person or someone living in south america or something you know all different backgrounds like that where you're like okay some of this i would have not assumed anything but like i, I probably haven't thought about it but then i'm like okay, there's an interesting difference about your life that i hadn't been aware of like i know someone in russia where there's no such thing as an autism diagnosis it's considered it's bundled in with things like schizophrenia and ocd and bipolar and it's just given an overall name and it's fascinating to think there are just people in the world who are exactly in exactly the same diagnosis as me, but are being treated in a completely different way, or you know, they're lapping a different way, or they've never been picked up on things because their stims were wiggling their butt a bit to dance, or something, you know, flicking the beads in the hair, or something. That was what one of the people was saying that they, when they said they stim, people were like, no, you don't. And then the list was and just huge. This brings me on nicely, actually, 
So this is what I find fascinating to learn about. I find it really exciting to learn about how different culture is across the world, because that's what mm-hmm. diversifies autistic culture. And, you know, I was teasing about, oh, where I got to my degree, I realized I wasn't getting anywhere with my degree because it was all stuff that I didn't need to learn. It was all stuff I already knew. Mm. No, that's legitimate. That's that's normal. That's you know, you look at it and you go, This isn't valuable. Why would you spend time on it? It's and money. you know, you Yeah. Yeah, and money. There's there's it's completely valid. I you're talking to someone who went I used to, I tried, tried to train to be a nurse when I was nineteen and I uh, paid to go into university one day and the lectures was cancelled and I thought, My bank account's empty. I don't get paid enough to do this. Um it's you know, genuinely breaking me. I quit and so I just went home and quit and that was it. And then I did uni a few years later. Um, and yeah, it's just as you reach a point in life where you just think, you know, this isn't going to work. And maybe I was feeling low then, but whatever it is, it's valid though. It's valid. You got you can't just throw time and money after things that don't, you've got to go forward. I, I can't lie people. with the degree. The kind of like breaking point for me was opening my new book for the term that one of the examples about autistic people was a project that I'd done the work on. I was like, <laughs> you're like you're teaching yourself now i'm like i can't deal with this um it's cool but no. you know awesome that's a big moment though awesome yeah very yeah. cool right so um i feel like we, we've gone through everything now i feel like we've got quite a good um you know image of your your career you what got you there how you're doing is there anything else that you um want to kind of cover off in this any other bits you want to kind of mention or give a shout out to or anything like that oh that's hard so every time we've done a panel together i have teased that i'm coming back to youtube um nice. this has been lasting a year now of teasing um i really am nearly there though i so so you nice. know how i said like i don't like the fact that all this information is outdated i want to put out my version of events because like I, i've been i've developed my own training course over years um so i'm taking that training course and adapting it for youtube because information shouldn't always be Very behind cool. a paywall so yeah i want i want to put out this is connor ward's informed perspective on what it means to be autistic and uh, excellent yeah i'm quite excited i've, I've basically the plan is i've uh, i've created about six months worth of visuals and i'm going to film it all in about four hours and then i'll chop that up and, and post it over the next year or whatever um so yeah I mean, that does sound like a good process i feel like batching it like that is a lot better than going i record it once a week because in a week's time you'll be like no winding me up the most i was like it's going to really annoy me for things to look different. So I was like, right, I'm doing, I'm doing my first chunk. And yeah, it's basically, it's, it's the point where I normally do a break in training is where I, is where I'm filming up to. So, yeah. That sounds very clever. Is it, has it got a name yet that people can look at, uh, look forward and a date when it's out? Sorry. Um, it's not got a name yet. I've still not decided, uh, but it will just be on my YouTube channel. So if you just search Connor Ward, I am not a gardener. That's what I've um, realised is so many people search Connor Ward and come across a lawnmower expert. I get emails about what lawnmowers um, people want to buy and stuff. It's not that one. So search Connor Ward autism and I normally come up. Uh, so, yeah. But my question is game on the show. So, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll put in the title, Connor Ward, not the lawnmower man. Yep. <laughs> um, so Connor, Connor Ward uh, autism, did you say? So, so Google that, but slash Connor Ward UK right. on everything. Is, okay. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, you'll find me. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, Connor. It's been absolutely great to talk to you. I feel like this is probably the most we've talked one on one, despite doing three or four panels together, despite all the pre and post panel. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you more in the future. Um, I think that's everything. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me.